0: Hello and welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am pleased today to have Stephanie Scott back on the program. Welcome, Stephanie.
1: Thank you, Megan. It's great to be back with you again.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into all your specialties and all of your goodness soon. I'll let you introduce yourself, but first I'll do a couple of notes and updates before we move on. And um, the first thing I want to do is read a review that the podcast got on iTunes iTunes reviews are the lifeblood of podcasts. So if you think this podcast is awesome, which I do, I would like it if you would just stop by iTunes or go to the iTunes. I uh, what is it? Podcast app? It's called iPod, I think, or I I don't know. It's purple. The icon on your phone. Just give us a five star review. Yeah, no, it's easy. It takes you five seconds. And if you want to jot a little note down, that'd be great too. From J Lo Wow seventy eight super informative travel show with a wide variety of guests and a host with a lovely soothing voice. I will definitely be checking back frequently as I plan upcoming trips. Exclamation point five stars. Thank you, J Lo Wow seventy eight. I appreciate it. Um, another one thing I want to quick say is I've become a, a member of a ladies podcasting association. And I just wanted to give a couple shout outs to, uh, Rosemary late Rosemary's ladies podcast and the history chicks. Thanks so much for your support. And I'm really enjoying your podcasts. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about Stephanie, people that want to work in the travel industry is a Twitter poll that I took. Are you on the Twitter?
1: I am on the Twitter. I don't tweet much, but I do read the Twitters.
0: <laughs> that's, that's my husband. He's always like, oh no, I'll tweet something, but then I can't take it back. I'm like, sure you can, just delete it before anybody screen captures it or whatever. But right, exactly. We're unimportant people, so who's screen capturing us? No one. But, so I posed a question for that says, have you ever wanted to work in the travel industry? Hashtag travel, hashtag tourist, and then a lot of emojis of different planes, trains, and automobiles. And the answers you could have selected were yes, as a travel planner, yes, as a writer, yes, as a photographer, yes, as a tour conductor. And 119 people took the poll. And 21% to travel planner, which is travel planner, travel professional, travel agent, 18% as a writer, 50% for photographers, and 11% for tour conductors. And I will put you and I in... Travel planning, and then you also as tour conductor. So, Yeah. I I would say so. That's it. So I just want to say, folks, if you want to go for it, you should go for it. I mean, the travel industry is great. Happy people work in the travel industry. Would you say that? I'm happy. I work in the travel industry. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, yes, it's it's exciting. And then um, to lead up to um, the next little uh, shout-out that I want to put out there is, There is a website called Host Agency Reviews, and Stephanie, who was our guest, Stephanie Lee, two weeks ago, she uh, is the president of HAR, at Host Agency Reviews, and they relaunched their website. So if you have interest in becoming a travel planner, which is 21% of the people, that's a great place to start to potentially uh, investigate travel agencies or how you should go about planning to open your own. So... There you go. Just a little, a little th- shout out to Har because they're wonderful. One last update, Stephanie. Have you ever heard of the world's best travel jacket? And the company is called Baubox. B A U B A X.
1: No, I haven't. Tell me more.
0: Yeah, actually, you might want this jacket. It's this all-in-one jacket, <laughs> and I've been waiting on it for probably eight months. It was a Kickstarter campaign. Um, but it has like the hood has an eye mask that comes down. The sleeves have mittens that are tucked up in it. There's a neck pillow in the collar. There's a pocket for your earbuds, or you can string your headphones up through like the sleeve or zipper or whatever. It has, um, it has a blanket in the one pocket on the left-hand side, I think. And then it also has an inflatable footrest. And a water an inflatable foot Yeah, so when you're in the airplane, you know, like your feet are dangling, you're trying to sleep overnight. Oh my overnight. gosh.
1: Oh my yeah. gosh. This is a game changer. This is a game changer. This is a total game changer. And has like an RFID <laughs> you pocket. Won't to, you won't have to check bags. You won't have to check bags anymore. You could just have everything in your jacket and you can carry on and mm-hmm. you'll just be like good to go when you land. I that love it. is
0: exactly their commercial. I want one. Yeah, and they have a pocket <laughs> for an iPad. And it has a couple of different styles anyway um so we ordered them I, I ordered them, I ordered one for my husband too, because I knew that if I got one, he'd want one, and plus he looks good in a bomber jacket, so perfect well, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know so i so they're coming, they've been shipped, so I'll be demonstrating that and you know see if we can give it a proper plug. Not that, I think that I just did a pretty good plug for it, but I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding, so we'll put it on, we'll put it to the test and see what we can do with it, but it's supposed to be report, amazing. Yeah, re, yeah, report back on your findings. Mm-hmm. We all want to know. I am. Right and on. if anybody else has one or has received it already, I'd like to hear because someone out already and, and have been delivered. So I'd like to hear. All right. Enough about all that stuff. Let's, ta- let's get to the good stuff, which is you, Stephanie. Would you, please, <laughs> Why, <thank> you. <laughs> would you please introduce yourself and tell us your travel planning specialty? I would be delighted to. I am
1: uh, Stephanie Scott and I'm a part-time travel agent with Ticket to Travel mm-hmm. and I'm also a part-time tour operator. I was raised on the East Coast, where I learned to love travel uh, from a very young age from my Canadian mother and Scottish father, who were both big fans of the road trip. Mm-hmm. And I moved to Northern California about 20 years ago, and in those 20 years, I continued to develop my lifelong passion for travel and uh, the outdoors, always been a fan of the outdoors, mm-hmm. and at the ripe old age of 42. After about 30 years off the bike, I started cycling again. Mm. So my travel specialty is active vacations. That's what I like to do when I travel, and specifically bike and barge tours in Europe.
0: Yep, and and to say bike and barge tours, we should say that it is bike and luxury barge tours.
1: Yes, they are fabulous barges.
0: For people that haven't heard the past episode where we talked about a previous trip that you did, because we're going to get into a specific itinerary today. But for people that haven't heard that, can you please describe the barge so they don't think it's like, you know, a floating shipping container? It's it's a luxury vehicle.
1: Yes, the barges that I use are for my tours are in the what they call the Comfort Plus class, which are the fanciest and as the name implies, the uh, coziest and most comfortable. Mm. The sleeping cabins on the ships are uh, usually equipped with two twin beds. Sometimes it's a they can be made together or kept separate if they're single travelers together. Mm-hmm. And each cabin has its own private bath with a shower, a sink, and a toilet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you don't have to walk down the street down the uh, uh, hallway in the middle of the night in your jammies. And uh, each room is equipped with an in-room thermostat, so you can control how warm or cool your room is. Uh, not all ships are air conditioned, but mm-hmm. the ships that I use are. And in fact, all the indoor space in these ships uh, is air conditioned. So uh, okay. there's a dining room so we can all gather for breakfast and dinner. And there's uh, indoor and outdoor guests, uh, uh, decks, I mean, for the guests to hang out in and relax and chat with one another. And, uh, and the ships are also equipped with Wi-Fi. Oh, nice. Limited, but there is Wi-Fi.
0: <laughs> and then, so this is something that is smaller than what people would imagine a river cruise. Ship to be?
1: Yes, the ships are the ships that I use are there are smaller barges, but the ones that I use for my tours accommodate 20 to 30 guests. And a lot of that depends on the itinerary and the destination. Mm -hmm. For instance, in France, the canals are narrower, so the ships are typically smaller and They're narrower as well, and so there aren't as many cabins in them. So when I run a tour in France, I may only have twenty guests, but when I run one in, say, Belgium, I can find a ship that is that can navigate the canals, but will also sleep thirty people.
0: Gotcha. Now you, your tour, your France one ended at the Tour de France, is that correct? It did.
1: It did. Did did you get to see the race? I did. I get. I did get to see the race. What was very interesting was uh, the security. Um, oh. But it was really easy to. Yeah, I, w- I often wondered like, how they how will they secure this entire course and the city of Paris? You know, I was there um, the year after um, the Paris bombing, yeah. So I expected much, uh, higher security than when I had been in Paris, uh, two years prior. Mm-hmm. And I was really uh, impressed with how they moved people through. Um, I felt really safe there. And, uh, the only thing is you can't really cross the Champs-Élysées. You can't mm-hmm. get from one side to the other. So you have to commit to whatever side you're on <laughs> and enjoy That's the it. race from that vantage point. Uh, there, I, but I was able to see the little parade and I went into a cafe and I had myself a lovely lunch and then the race came through and yeah, it was really kind of neat, really cool energy in the city. So it was fun for me.
0: Nice. I haven't been in Paris during a cycling bike race, but I was there for a bike rally and by accident, but it was very exciting. So (laughs) yeah, different experiences. Yeah.
1: well, it's nice They close off the streets too, so there's no vehicular traffic. I don't think the taxicab drivers are too excited about it, but it was yeah. nice to be able to walk around.
0: That is something nice about European cities. I mean, even when they don't cross close off all the streets, is that there usually is a central, you know, shopping area where you can mm-hmm. stroll. I really like that. Right. Um, all mm-hmm. right. So let's talk about how you got the idea to plan these type of trips because I think this is. It's it's pretty unique, I think, and people like an active vacation. So, tell us what inspired you to do this. Well, about
1: five years ago, I became certified as a tour guide and a tour director because I thought it would be cool to get paid to travel. You know, to the point of it's your, your uh, little your little um, uh, poll that you took. It yeah. was uh, harder to it was harder to break into that field as a tour director than I thought it would be. But that was more because I had this lucrative full-time job, and I still do, so I just wasn't able to travel on short notice. So my plan was always to do the guiding thing part-time, so my availability to travel was be dictated by these scheduling demands of my day job. Mm -hmm. And my interest was in European travel in particular. And in the tour directing world, that's the most competitive market for tour directors. Mm. And it usually requires a language fluency that I just didn't have. I Mm. speak some German, but I'm not enough to be considered fluent. Mm. And a friend of mine who traveled with me years before, it suggested that I start my own tour company. And until she suggested it, I, the idea hadn't really occurred to me, but it made sense. I'm, you know, I'm a seasoned traveler, I'm an event planner and a marketer by trade. So it wasn't easy enough transition. So in 2014, I founded my tour company, Stephanie Ventures, LLC, Mm -hmm. and I led my first tour in the Netherlands the following summer. Now, um, I might add that I didn't exactly light the world on fire on that first tour. <laughs> let's just let's just say there were several vacancies <laughs> on the ship. Um, you know how when you're on an airplane and uh, there aren't many people on the plane, so they kind of spread you out so that you don't, uh, you know, so the weight is <laughs> distributed? That's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well, years ago, that's not the case anymore, but years ago they used to do that. Well, that's kind of how the ship was. It's like every other cabin had a, had a guest in it. Um, but I kept at it and, uh, kept networking and putting, putting myself out there with, uh, some of the local bike clubs, uh, here in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, I started to sell out my tours. So I ran two tours this summer, sold both of them out. So mm-hmm. I took 54 people to Europe that's and, nice. um, I have two tours I'm offering next year, one to Belgium, which is already sold out uh, to a bicycle club, and I'm pretty sure that uh, the other one will sell out, too, because it's a fabulous uh, itinerary, and I'm getting a lot of inquiries um, from folks I've met at events that I've been to.
0: Awesome. So we'll get into that itinerary, and this, today we're recording, it is November 10th. This is going to air maybe on November 12th, so you have a heads up that you need to get a deposit in quickly if that's something you're interested in. At because these, I mean, for the last couple of years you've done them, they've sold out with no cancellations. So if you're interested, uh, don't sit on it too long.
1: Or else yeah, they usually sell out. This is a good time of year for people to think about travel for the following summer. So I find I'm very, very busy in November and December. Yeah, with Yeah.
0: Or else you will literally miss the boat. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> <laughs> When you plan these trips, what elements do you think make for a great balance in a vacation? Because you said these are active vacations, but they're not. It's mm-hmm. not go 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 all the time. You've you've planned them purposely. Can you tell us about your philosophy on that?
1: Well, I I do like vacations that include the must sees. Um, they're must sees for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some hidden gems and places. That the locals know, but may not be widely published in the guidebooks or places that afford you the opportunity to engage with the local people. So I try to strike that balance. I mean, those must see places are, they they might be crowded, but they are that for a reason. They're either stunningly beautiful or they're the great historical or cultural significance. So, I say you got to go to those places, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, take take a deep breath, focus on what is before you and and, and try to tune out, you know, all the crazy tourists with their selfie sticks. Um, uh-huh. But then try to find some place special where you can just be a temporary local. You know, when, one of the things that we might do, we wouldn't be riding along on our bikes and all of a sudden we come across a farm stand. And yeah. our guide, I can still remember this from my tour in Germany in June, our guide pulled over grabbed a couple of uh, pints, he paid for them, pints of strawberries. Awesome. And then we all hustled to get on this bike ferry. And as we were riding across, you know, the, the river on this ferry, he fed us strawberries. It was just fabulous. I mean, it's just those <laughs> kind of special moments. And, you know, I just came back from uh, Italy. And I can say that the little meals and the Stops at the cafes and things that we had are just as memorable as you know seeing the Statue of David and climbing the stairs in the Duomo. Those are things you got to do, but it's nice to have those other places to those things in the itinerary. to just sort of balance things out, you know. I tell people not to try to do everything you think you need to do or see everything there is to see. Um, it, it's really best to um, when you're planning a trip try to planet as if it's someplace you're going to return to, Mm. because otherwise you'll make yourself crazy. Like, I got to see this. I got to see that. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then you're exhausted when you get home. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I try to do. Just try to give and give yourself some downtime. You know, there are times where, when we're on the ship, where we might be sailing in an afternoon. So we might get back to the ship a little earlier and Mm -hmm. then set sail. And that, those times when we're on the river and we're just just letting you know, the scenery unfold, those are some magical moments too, because we all get to just kind of relax and take some fabulous photos and just enjoy each other's company.
0: So in light of this last question, what about how are you planning group trips knowing that you have different ages and different physical fitness standards and different comfortable comfortability levels of, you know, comfortable with a bike. Like I would mm-hmm. love to participate in this, but I am not necessarily Awesome on a bike. I think I could probably go for a long time, but you know, I don't want to be riding my bike in Paris. That would I would kill myself. Like run into a car.
1: So, but Paris is one of those iconic cities that you should ride a bike in. Uh-huh. I know it's scary, but that's uh, you know one of my one of my uh, goals is to get people out of their comfort zone. Whether mm-hmm. that's to get them to take mass transportation mm-hmm. or to ride a bike on a city street in a city they've never been to. Um, Those are the kinds of things that I take great joy in in, uh, facilitating. Um, But I'm really fortunate in the way that I plan my tours in that I have found this turnkey opportunity to develop something that's unique. And I work with a terrific agent overseas who has access to this large fleet of barges. Mm. And the barges come to me with a experienced crew, talented crew with that. My agent assists me with hiring experienced guides who are familiar with the region and fluent mm. in the languages. Mm. Uh, most you know, I, I made reference earlier to my um fluency in German, but I've yet to meet a tour guide in Europe who spoke fewer than four languages Mm. and, and they speak them fluently enough that they can make themselves understood and also endear themselves to the people that we interact with, even though, you know, we might be in Italy and our guide might be Dutch. So I, which is great. And, um, so I have a wide range of itineraries that I can choose from and they're already well-researched and, uh, tried and true, tested so that the experience is really seamless for my guests. Now uh, I put my signature on the tours by drawing on my past and current career to plan fun activities. That's Mm -hmm. what I've done for most of my career. I've worked in the wine business. I've worked in chocolate and specialty food. So I have a, a passion for all things culinary. And mm. depending on where we are um, I may, or where we're going when I'm planning, I might develop, um, say, a trivia night or a cheese and wine tasting that features the local cheeses and, and wines. Or like in Belgium, I do this chocolate and beer tasting that just blows people away because nobody ever thinks that Beer and chocolate are two things that go together, mm. um, but when you're talking about Belgian beers and Belgian chocolates, they do. Mm. Um, so I also read as much as I can find on the destination. I love to do research online, and um, I will occasionally add sightseeing stops to a day's itinerary if I think there's something there that maybe my guests might not, um, my guests might enjoy, but my guides may not even be aware of. So it's. Um, uh, a collaborative effort uh, that i am working with my agent and my guides before and during the trip and you know once i get the itinerary nailed down then uh, the work of of getting my guests from where they live to where the barge is waiting for them is the next uh, the next thing to do and my uh, my affiliation with ticket to dra- travel has been great cuz that's affords me the opportunity to assist clients with ground transportation mm. and flights and trip insurance and hotels. So now I'm more of a one stop shop than I was when I started out in the in the tour business. Awesome. So it's easy it's an easier for my guests as well because they can come to me for just about all their needs.
0: So while we're talking about the little spins that you put on things, Thanksgiving is approaching speedily and um, you took there's an itinerary that you have where you take special care to—I I don't want to say reenact—I would say recreate—with <laughs> some theatrical costuming a meal from a region that's important to the to you know the colonies, as you will. Could you uh, could you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, you must be talking about my Dutch cities tour. Mm-hmm. I, this is the first tour I ran and I've run it once since then and it's just one of my, still one of my favorite tours I've ever run. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, spend an evening in Leiden in the Netherlands, which is the town where the pilgrims who sailed on the Mayflower hid out from the, uh, King of England, um, while they were waiting for the Mayflower to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And so I had approached the crew before I came over to uh, the Netherlands and said, "Hey, I would like to host a traditional Thanksgiving dinner in July," well, they weren't sure what that meant, so <laughs> I had to kind of educate them on what we eat in uh, when we have our American Thanksgiving. Yep. And to my delight, uh, the chef really embraced the challenge, and. We had this amazing Thanksgiving dinner in July in the middle of Leiden. And, uh, we had, uh, I think we had, we had a Thanksgiving trivia contest that night, which act, you know, sort of fed on everybody's competitive nature. And, uh, I think the winners all got a little hat with the name of the ship embroidered on it. But, Uh, we, we just really had uh, a ton of fun that night and it was a nice way to kind of tie where we were to something that everybody can relate to that was on the trip with us.
0: So you were dressed as a pilgrim or a turkey? Uh, no, I was dressed as a pilgrim. Yes, I was dressed as a pilgrim. In my mind, it's a turkey. I'm going to leave it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, what I did
1: do the second time I ran this tour was I had a very um, – I had this uh, crazy, crazy tour guide I work with, and he will do anything, and so I brought a turkey headdress. And he was happy to wear that during the, I will say his team did not win the trivia contest, but, you know, I felt like they were handicapped because I had a French and a Dutch guide on their team. I shouldn't have put them both on that team, but they were sitting at, you know, the teams were basically who you were sitting at with at dinner. Yes. (laughs) You know, you got to choose your dinner companions wisely. You never know when there might be some game with prizes.
0: That's so funny. The, uh, the British people here asking, we we're actually cooking uh, Thanksgiving dinner for a number of British people that we're friends with that have said, we would love to experience American Thanksgiving. We don't understand it. I'm like, what don't you understand? And they're like, why would you celebrate a time when you all were starving to death? I'm like, okay we're going to do this right. So I'm I'm not going to get into the history of Thanksgiving. I'll put a Wikipedia link in the body of the show notes so that y'all can go there and learn about Thanksgiving. So there you go. (laughs) All right. So what about, um, what about, um, you know, you have for physical requirements, this is, you know, there is physical activity. Mm -hmm. It's a biking Trip. What experience with bicycles do you need to have? What what physical requirements do you have for guests that might want to come on this kind of a trip?
1: Well, I tell people you should be reasonably fit and have good bike handling skills. You should be able to ride a bike mm-hmm. and handle your bike in in different kinds of weather and different road conditions. Um, But you don't need to be somebody who goes out and rides, you know, 50 miles on a weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. I tell people to prepare for the trip. You really should ride at least three times a week and work up to a distance of about 20 miles. More if you have time. But if you don't, you should be able to complete the day's ride and and still enjoy the fun in the evenings. Okay, But you really need to get out and, and just just get the practice of, of riding a bike. I've had people come on my my uh, trips who were um, fit, but because maybe they were like runners or uh, whatever. I don't Different know what else they could hurts. do. But um, yeah, but they weren't necessarily skilled cyclists, and mm-hmm. they did struggle a little bit. But I will say, improved as the week went on. So nice. it was a, a little bit of a challenge, but people kind of overcome it. And everybody tries to sort of be, you know, helpful and, and patient. And, you know, it's really meant to be a sightseeing tour. Okay. This is not, we're going to ride a bike up the Alps in, in France. This mm. is very mellow. The terrain is fairly flat. Uh We're riding on, uh, sometimes we're on dedicated Bike paths where there's no traffic, but sometimes we're on bike lanes and city streets and Mm. so, or or on packed dirt. So you should just be comfortable uh, on all those different conditions. And we do uh, go out and ride whether it's raining or the sun is out. Mm -hmm. Um, But the great thing about the barge is that guests have the option if there's any day they don't want to ride for whatever reason, they can stay on the ship. And then when we get to, you know, the ship will sail while we're riding. And then at the end of the day, we'll meet the ship where it's docked, but they'll get there before we do. And they can just walk off the ship and go into town and explore. The the historic parts of these towns that we've dock in are typically not very far, you know, it might be a five or 10 minute walk from the ship. So
0: Awesome. And then let's talk about do clients, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask, do clients need to bring their own bikes? How does that work? And then also what if a bike breaks down during the trip?
1: So the bikes are provided. That's part of what you pay for in the tour. It's pretty all inclusive, Mm -hmm. your meals, your lodging, your bike, um, the guides are all included in the trip. And so the bikes that we ride are hybrids, so a little more comfortable. You're sitting upright. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guides are trained to uh, do minor repairs on the bike should that happen. I've had flat tires that were changed in a heartbeat, yep. um, you know, sometimes a chain will drop or something like that. But uh, we don't, I've never run into an issue because the bike fleets are very well maintained. Mm. Uh, so these folks take a lot of pride in keeping these bikes working well. And I just, uh, I just... Uh, confirmed that both e-bikes and tandems are available for my uh, Germany tour next summer. So that's kind of fun too. I've had requests uh, every once in a while, people will ask me about tandems because people who ride them think they're awesome. And, you know, and and then sometimes people think they may not be able to keep up the pace. So an electric bike might be a nice option for them. So there's a surcharge for those, but they're available. So people have that. They're super popular
0: here in, um, both the tandems, I've been seeing more of them and the e-bikes, um, have been, have becoming more popular. And honestly, I think that, (laughs) I think that people are less likely to steal the electric bikes and definitely not the tandem bikes because the electric bikes can be heavier and, uh, and the tandem bikes are just huge. Like you can't, (laughs) they can't take them. So, um, and then, yeah. Yeah, true. This is true. But all anyway. our bikes
1: are like self-locking, so you you know the, the, the bikes all come with locks too.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Good. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, will you uh take us through the itinerary of your upcoming trip? Sure, I
1: would love to. Awesome. I um launching a new tour called Meander Through the Magical Mosul Valley. Mm. And this is a tour, the tour, that I've wanted to run since I started this tour company. I'm so excited to be going back there uh, because yes. this is where I started it all. This was the reason that I took my very first bike tour uh, alone in uh, I believe it was twenty eleven or so, mm. and it is just stunningly beautiful, so quaint, and just these enchanting little towns along the way, and uh kind of quieter than uh, some of the other places i've been to in europe um, so um, on this tour, we will begin. In Kokum, Germany, on the Mosul, which is uh, mm-hmm. a fairly easy train ride from Frankfurt Airport, which I tell people it's your best bet to fly into. Mm-hmm. And from there we will sail along the Mosul and ride our bikes to the charming little towns of, uh, let's see, we'll overnight in bernkastel Kuz right. and, uh, which is a great little town with these half timbered buildings and uh it's got a great medieval town square and Mm. some cute shops and then there's a there's a castle ruin that you can hike up a hill and have this beautiful panoramic view of the the mosel below you
0: i've done that one uh, it is amazing
1: yeah well yeah i had a a fabulous um i had a fabulous bowl of soup up there i can still remember i Mm. ordered a pea soup and uh frankfurter and the Frankfurter was actually floating in the soup, which I what? thought was really an interesting way to serve that. I can still see it because it was also about ninety degrees that day. So whatever possessed me to buy, you know, to order pea soup and <laughs> really I don't know funny. what. Uh, going local, I love to go local. So uh, we'll overnight at Burn Castle Coos, So we're mm-hmm. going to spend two nights there. So one of the days we will actually ride from there. We'll take a bus up into the hills,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we're going to ride on a rail trail.
0: Oh nice. Um,
1: down to a volcano museum because there's, just <laughs> kind of volcanoes, little inactive volcanoes in that region. So I did not know. that's going to be fun because we're going to, yeah, we're going to ride through the forest and tunnels and bridges and all kinds of stuff. So that's just, I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And then we will, uh, sail, continue sailing down. We'll visit, uh, uh Trittenheim and Piesport which are two towns that have a great uh winemaking tradition and of course we'll taste some wines along the way of course and we will uh eventually end up in uh, Trier Trier is the oldest city in Germany and it was uh built by the Romans and there are extensive Roman ruins uh that are still in the town there's a, a great amphitheater in great shape, Roman baths. Uh, yes. There is uh, The most notable is the Porta Nigra, which is the three-story stone gate uh, that greets people as they enter the the town square. Yes. Uh, so we'll get to play around there, and that's really neat. Um, then we will uh, continue on the Moselle, but we'll pick up the River Saar, and we will overnight in Saarburg which is a great town with a, uh, there's a man-made waterfall in the middle of the town, mm. which they the people who live there created to harness the power from the water, which was brilliant, but mm. it's also very adorable. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll sort of breeze through Luxembourg. Uh, we'll taste some wines while we're there. And, uh, there's some other great sites, some walled cities and things that we'll see. And then back over into Germany. So we're really going to be traveling along the very hotly contested through history, uh, the border of, uh, France and Germany. Mm. Um, so at times this region may have fit, maybe France is now, but it wasn't always. And so there's some interesting history there and interesting, uh, the cuisine and the language. You know, people speak French and German in that region and the, the cuisine definitely has uh, a German um, influence, so mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, we're going to visit a town called Nennick, which is where there is a uh, an ancient Roman tile floor. Oh, uh, cool. They call it the gladiator mosaic, and it is in amazing condition. It was actually discovered by a farmer who was plowing his field about 150 years ago, so very cool site. Mm-hmm. And then we will eventually end up... After riding through some vineyards and countryside and cow pastures of France, we'll end up in Metz, which is spelled M-E-T-Z. And mm. that is the home to France's uh, third largest Gothic cathedral. Cool. So from there, people can finish the tour and, uh, you know, head out to uh, this train station there. They can head out to anywhere they want to go.
0: Mm. So um, first off, awesome itinerary. Second, um, getting back to Burn Castle. Uh, there's a wine museum there,
1: yes, there is Have you I gone to, to, it. to it i I don't know if it was open when I was there, okay, I feel like I was there like a few years ago, and I'm not sure it was it was open at the time, but
0: so it's not for yeah. people listening. it's not a museum, it's a tasting room, but it's an it's in these underground catacombs. It's very cool. They give you this basket, which you know it's a market basket, so it's made to hold you know, as many bottles of wine as you can put in it and you pay something like 20 (laughs) pounds or 20, what am I trying What are they on? They're in the Euro. So you're going to pay 20 Euro or something like that. And then you go and you try as many wines as you want to. And then the intention is you fill up your basket with the ones you like. And then, I mean, obviously that's impossible for you guys. Um, I guess you could sling one in a backpack if you wanted to, but um, it's, it's pretty cool. But one note to the wise is, is if if a if one of the little corks, they have these temporary glass corks they put in to keep the wines from going bad, if it like fizzes at all or like gives off a little gas when you open it, that's vinegar. Don't drink it. There's no, a reason not, it's not popular. So <laughs> <that's> not <laughs> had to get a couple of yeah. mouthfuls well, of that before I figured that out. So
1: <laughs> Well, I I might add that we, we have bike bags the Panniers that are, okay. the bikes are equipped with. So nice. if you maybe maybe you want to go without lunch that day because that's where you usually carry your lunch in, and then you can put more you know you can put more wine bottles in it. it might um, be
0: worth the sacrifice. We, the,
1: yes, the one other advice I give to people that work are coming on this tour with me is um, if you find a, a fabulous. Uh, dry Riesling to your liking, mm. you should buy it and take it home with you. Because that's Because there's something crafty about those Germans. They make some phenomenal dry Rieslings in that region, mm. but they don't export the dry wines. They export the sweet ones. Yes. So if you're a fan of dry white wines, um, you, it's going to be trickier finding them when you get home. So make sure you leave room in your luggage to bring a few bottles of wine home.
0: Can you take us through a day in the life of a bike and barge luxury cruise?
1: Oh, I can indeed. Okay. Well, a typical day on the barge starts at uh, breakfast at 8 a.m. Breakfast is almost always at 8. It is a uh, breakfast buffet. Mm. Actually, there are uh, fantastic coffee machines in the lounge. So the early risers can enjoy a latte or an espresso while the crew sets up breakfast. Mm. And it's nice because people can go grab a cup of coffee and go sit out on the deck and just kind of enjoy the quiet of the morning. Mm. And then during breakfast, we uh, pack a picnic lunch. We get these little lunch boxes you get to fill. And uh, we stop someplace along the way for a picnic. And we usually start riding at 9 and we will ride anywhere from 20 to 35 miles, depends mm-hmm. on the day and, and, and the group. Sometimes we are able to offer, and I'm very happy to announce I have two of my favorite guides that I've uh, traveled with, both on my Germany tour next year. So nice. it is going to be just, come for the guides alone, they're fabulous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what we'll try to do is split the group up, because we usually have a range of bike uh, fitness and bike interests. Not everybody wants to ride, you know, 30 miles, but some people would ride 40 if they could. So we try to Mm -hmm. split the group up and let some people ride faster and longer and others just want to kind of take their time. Mm. So we'll stop, we make stops along the way and you're not riding that 20 or 30 miles nonstop. We, you know, we stop for coffee. Uh, we take the pic, we have the picnic lunch in the afternoon, Mm. um, photo ops, points of interest, and Mm -hmm. and they could be anything from, oh, look, a castle ruin, let's go look at it, Um, a palace, uh, churches, monasteries, wineries, museums, whatever we find along the way. There's plenty to see along the way. And uh, in the, uh, maybe the mid to late afternoon, uh, we meet the barge in a new town, and the crew will greet us with snacks and cold drinks. Mm. and then folks have time to take a shower and get ready for dinner, which is usually served at 6. Okay. And after dinner, the guides will brief us on the next day's ride and whatever we're going to see and then take us on a walking tour of the town uh, where we can learn a little more history and admire architecture, maybe have a glass of wine or beer, meet some locals. So that's a lot of fun. And then everybody, people are typically in bed fairly early. You know, it's a long day, so people are kind of pooped at 10 o'clock. They're ready to go to bed. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, we may have some night owls up a little bit later than that. But uh, what's nice about the ship, too, is because the cabins, a lot of the cabin is underwater. It acts as a sound barrier. Oh, so nice. the rooms are quiet quieter than you, you might think they would be. Um And sometimes if we're in a particularly quiet port, uh, we might stay on the ship and do something fun. When I was in France last summer, our captain taught us how to play petanque on the towpath next to the ship, and we had a blast. What is that? You know what? Petanque is like the French version of bocce. That's I was, the best mm,
0: I analysis I can –
1: Yeah. Yeah. So just, and, and, you know, you got this token. We were in the middle of the woods in France. There was nothing around, (laughs) absolutely nothing. And, uh, you know, our guide had warned us. She said, we're going to be docking in the middle of nowhere tonight. And she was right. But we, we had, it was one of the most fun nights we had because we got to, we got to learn how to play Patronk.
0: That's really neat. That's, that's something people will take home and pass along. That's good. Right. Exactly. Spreading Patronk around the world. All right, so I was surprised to hear you say that you go out for a walking tour after so many miles of biking. But, I mean, you're in the city for just such a limited time. You've got to do it, I guess. But that's when you put those coffee machines to work. Well, I think,
1: um, you know, the Europeans, it's sort of a tradition, kind of the after-dinner digestive if you will. So they look at it as, you've just had this big meal, you should work it off a little bit and kind of wind yourself down and, you know, see a little bit more, see the town in the evening. It might be a little bit quieter than during the day. And and, and that way we have a little more time to kind of stop and look at some of the, the buildings and, and learn a little bit more about the area. So Uh, yeah, no. And, and it's optional, you know, some, some days people go on them and some days they're like, no, no, I'm ready for bed. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just a fun way to wrap the evening up.
0: That's so nice. Um, also I want to tell you a funny story from our trip to Trier and that was, um, do you know that Karl Marx was born in Trier? Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. I went, I saw his
0: house. Yes. (laughs) I witnessed, um, large groups of Asian tourists asking for directions to his house and the locals giving them all kinds of other directions they are, some of them at least are not so proud that he is you know, one of their most noteworthy oh. residents oh, and they are directing these people all over the place and we just kind of you know, chuckled and went about our way, but yeah Oh,
1: that's interesting huh. So
0: if wow. you already know where it is, you'll get there but I wouldn't necessarily right. ask a local I think I stumbled upon
1: it truthfully because I I think I was looking for a laundromat Yeah, (laughs) and there's a laundromat in that neighborhood where his house was. So that's why I just looked up and said, Oh, wow, look
0: at that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, um, that's kind of the end of my formal questions for you. Is there anything that we've missed that you want to talk about? Well,
1: I I think people ask me a lot for different kinds of advice when they're planning a trip. I get asked, you know, what do I bring and, you know, what's it going to be like when I'm over there and I'm nervous. And so I I spend a lot of time as an agent trying to allay people's fears of, of traveling in Europe. For some people, if they haven't been there in a very long time or they've never been there, it can be pretty daunting. So I tell people, be brave uh the Europeans are they're a pretty welcoming bunch. They're happy to help you and, and most of them speak English as well as we do, quite honestly. Um uh I tell people not to overpack. Um I have a great uh chart on my website to tell people exactly what to bring for one of my tours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um I say, you know, eat the weird food. Um I'm really I sorry. I yeah. Eat the weird food. I was served sardines in Italy. Never in my life did I ever imagine that I was going to eat sardines. It's certainly nothing I've thought out.
0: Yeah, um, me neither.
1: Yeah, um, but here I am with a group of thirty guests, and uh, how would that look if I pushed it away and pinched my nose? So I suffered through the sardines. (laughs) (laughs) I thought
0: you were going to say they surprised me, and I love sardines. Yeah, no, I mean, I
1: ate them. Um, I don't know that I would seek them out again, but I feel like, hey, I can add, uh, you know, sardines to my my long list of of weird food I've eaten. Um, Yeah, yeah. um, I tell people to take take public transportation. It is so awesome over there. Don't be Mm -hmm. afraid to use the trains. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, I get so depressed when I come home (laughs) after a trip to Europe. And then, of course, I tell people to buy trip insurance. That's like a big one. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I've had people have to cancel trips, um, because of any number of reasons, um, an injury, uh, sickness in the family, death in the family, a job, something came up at work, they can't go, you know, do yourself a favor and, uh, Protect your investment. It's not a lot of money. A trip insurance can cover. Mm -hmm. You know, it can cost five to seven percent of the cost of your trip, and it's just so worth it for the for the peace of mind.
0: Sure, Um, and more than the trip cancellation, even is that a lot of them will offer um, some medical coverage, and obviously, the higher plan you get, the better medical Mm -hmm. coverage because most Mm -hmm. U.S. policies. If you listeners, if you are unaware, they usually stop at the border of the United States, you know, and Mm -hmm. some of its territories depending on your policy. So that's if you think that you're accident prone, which I know that I'm a little bit accident prone, um, you know, you want to really consider this because you you don't have medical coverage when you're leaving the States. So.
1: Yeah. and, And a lot of those policies, all the policies that I sell anyway, are, uh, you know, they, they have evacuation insurance and I don't think people stop to realize if you are injured, seriously injured when you're over there and you need special transportation home, it can get very, very expensive. So that mm-hmm. alone is, mm-hmm. it's worth, is worth investing in.
0: Yeah. So you and can get back. Yeah. That and, and okay. There's another podcast, uh, cruise radio that, um, Doug and I are, I guess, internet friends. I don't know. We're podcast friends, whatever. Doug has a great <laughs> podcast, Cruise Radio, if you want to listen to all things about, I mean, very detailed information about cruising. But uh, he often posts articles about stranded cruisers that like he'll put out there like, hey, we're, we're raising funds for this stranded couple. Or, you know, they lost their passports and now they're stuck there and have to pay for a hotel for like a month or something. Or they broke their leg and they're in a the hospital. All this crazy stuff that you don't think is going to happen, but... Um, You know, then they end up stuck in a foreign country without resources or or just Mm -hmm. significantly depletes their resources. I think that that's the last of my questions. How about tell us how people can contact you?
1: They can visit my website, stephanieventures.com. And mm-hmm. my itineraries are all posted there. <clears throat> also, mm-hmm. some of the other, uh, I don't have a whole lot of content on my site, but what I have is very useful. Uh, I, have mm-hmm. a, I actually have a post about trip insurance and mm-hmm. about how to pack and what to pack in your carry-on, what to pack in your checked bags, and all of my itineraries and how to reach me. Uh, they can email me. My email address is stephanieventures at gmail.com. And mm-hmm. I also have a Facebook page, Stephanie Ventures LLC.
0: Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. I will put all of Stephanie's contact information. Uh, she has a guest profile. You can find it all there. The itinerary for the trip is in the show notes already. And if you want an actual day-to-day uh, uh, details to that level, that will be on her website. But there will be a link to get there. So you can go straight from the show notes to her page. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Megan Chapina. Megan Chapna, Megan Chapa. And Stephanie Scott. Yay, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, good morning. Good morning, good night, whatever time you're listening to it. All right, thanks all. Bye-bye.